As you know, we do not have any advertisements here on our podcast. Often I get asked, well, how can I give back, John? How can I help? I've got two simple asks for you. First, share the podcast with a friend, someone that you think can benefit from the information. And secondly, if you haven't already, please join the Financial Advisor Success Syndicate, something I am super proud of and would love your participation and to have you join and add value to a community with like-minded advisors. So to join, go to joinfass.com. Look forward to seeing you in there. Welcome to the Quantum Growth Podcast, empowering financial advisors to build practices for the 21st century by providing insights and interviews on leadership, strategy, and practice management. Now here is your host, Barron's Hall of Fame advisor, Jonathan Cutton. Welcome to another episode of Quantum Growth for Financial Advisors. It's your host, John Cutton. Happy to uh, be here today, recording this right after some crazy rain uh, that we've had here in New York for the last four or five days. So sun is out and uh, excited to actually see a little sunshine uh, for sure. So very excited to introduce Mike Futterman uh, as our guest today. And Mike, uh, I got to meet a while ago now. I'm going to say it feels like maybe eight years ago, give or take, when Mike uh, was over at Janice Henderson, and he was actually running uh, what was called Janice Labs, right, which was really kind of the coaching functionality of Janice H Henderson and supporting advisors. And he's now uh, pivoted uh, to uh, a consulting and coaching role that I know he's super excited about. Uh, and I'm very excited about hearing more about that uh, today, as well as I'm sure our listeners are. So with that, Mike, maybe you could say a quick hello uh, to our listeners and tell us a little bit about kind of, you know, what your experience was like over at Janus Labs, how that led to where you are today and a little bit about what you're up to. Yeah. Hello, listeners. It's great to be here. And thanks, John, for having me on. Um, the the experience that I had and, and that, that I've had, not just with Janice Henderson, but also with some of my previous employers and working with financial advisors is around at least this concept is um, helping them to really understand the challenges of creating a practice that attracts the right people um, and helping them to develop the, uh, the love for providing for those people. Um, something that I'm, I'm fond of saying to financial advisors is, do you know how many how many of you there are out there? And John, I don't know if you know, do you know how many financial advisors there are in the United States? What I've heard is something like 350,000. I don't know if that's accurate, but that's the number I hear. I've heard numbers that high. I've also seen numbers as low as 250,000, but those are big numbers. And so the question that follows up with that is, how do you want to stand out? I think it's no secret that um, many of those financial advisors kind of look a little similar. The, the industry's changing a bit, which I think is fantastic. Um, I think that we'll see it continue to change in terms of the types of people that choose to uh, become financial advisors. But a lot of them look um, a lot like you and me, let's put it that way. And so with that as sort of a baseline, how do we stand out? How do we 
offer something that's different. Um, and we all have access to the same products. Um, the performance is somewhat elusive uh, at best. For some people, it's, it may be a little bit easier than others. But at the end of the day, what really differentiates you is the people that you connect with and how you serve those people. And that's really a big part of what I did um, in that role for the last eight years. But then also um, when I worked back at the wirehouses, you know, uh, starting almost 20 years ago. Yeah, super well said, Mike. And it's uh, it's really interesting. You know, I always talk about data points, right? So data points is right, kind of reps and getting to see or meet or hear uh, from a lot of people. And I've got to assume uh, when you were over at Janice Henderson, right? I think you you uh, one of the things that you interviewed me on was I think you you guys created a book which was about the wow experience, right? And kind of how advisors can stand out in a crowded marketplace. So I've got to assume you've met thousands, if not tens of thousands of advisors over the years. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about some of the things that have stood out to you from a differentiating perspective of advisors. Yeah, uh, I would say that that's accurate. You know, we covered um, the entire country. Um, and beyond, uh, I was working with um, financial services professionals in places as far flung as Japan and Italy, um, as well as uh, Great Britain. And um, you know the the things that have stood out. Maybe one of the one of the more um, <laughs> one of my more favorite examples is uh, an advisor that is out in California that has chosen to name their practice Brewprint Advisors. And they serve the brewers, consumers, suppliers, distributors, uh, vendors of craft beer. And so that concept of really being crystal clear about what your niche is, who you serve, and then designing your business around it. So understanding the needs, the passions, the concerns of that population is how that um, practice has built uh, their success. So that's one example of somebody that has gone all in on creating a persona for themselves and then serving other uh, financial advisors. Um, there have been others. There are people, uh, there have been others that I think are, are maybe not great examples. And I think that's more the rule than, than the exception. Um, and some of those are, well, I, I serve women. And I hear a lot of people say, well, women are my niche. And women are not a niche. They're half the population, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, so you can't, you can't differentiate on that. Um, and by the way, they're not a, they're not a monolith. And and they're not they're not all the same. I think that we know that. Or or divorcees, right? Well, divorcees, it's you know fifty percent of marriages break up. So so you, what I find is that people um, suffer from going too broad. And I understand the mentality behind it. I think one of the reasons why people go too broad is they're worried about painting themselves with too narrow a brush, right? But I would ask you for your listeners out there, think about all of the clients that you have. And, and I, I see practices that have as many as, you know, uh, uh, five or 600 households per advisor, which is unsustainable and just, uh, just too much. 
to people who are really working with what we would call ideal practices between 70 and 150 households. Think about those households and think about if you were stranded on a desert island and you could only take 10% of them, or if you had to restart your book, maybe stranded on a desert island is not the great example, but if you it had to restart- It feels good right now, Mike. Being on a desert island, I, I don't know. Being stranded, like maybe 30 days, desert island. I mean, 30 days food, it might be good. a little food, I, I, I could be okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Little, little Swiss Family Robinson, something like that, right? Um, so uh, imagine that you can only take 10% of your book to work with. Who would those 10% be and why? Why would you want to work with them? For some people, it's, well, they have the most money. But the ones that I think that embrace this concept of creating a wow practice and taking it to that next level, this wow 2.0 or this, this sort of, um, not a lifestyle practice, but a practice that really serves a certain percentage or certain part of the population because there's passion, there's fire in the belly, there's interest. Think about those 10%. It's got to be more than just a pulse and money. It's got to be because otherwise you're chasing an unsustainable, you're chasing an unsustainable practice. And, and frankly, you, you won't necessarily be embracing some of the concepts that you and I are going to dig into. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um, and you, you know, you bring up some really good points here, Mike, you know, when you, when you think about, um, the marketplace, whether it's a quarter of a million advisors or it's 350,000 advisors in the industry. Um, you're right. We all kind of, it's table stakes, right? These days that you've got a financial planning process and you provide service and you have integrity and uh, you've got a 24 hour return call policy and you've got good investments and all that kind of good stuff. Um, and I see that a lot myself, right? In the advisor population, uh, is this kind of we we are generalist right and we help pretty much anyone but how do you actually stand out in a crowded marketplace so what i was hoping to do with you today mike and we'll see from a time perspective um if time permits we'll get it all done today if not maybe uh if you're willing we have you back for kind of phase two sometimes i get as you uh i know you mentioned you've listened to a podcast or two of mine i get a little little long-winded our listeners know that but i like to go deep on things but as i think about what i was hoping to get out of our conversation on our listeners behalf and a little bit on my own behalf um is to kind of think about you, Mike, and your experience and expertise in two different places, right? One, uh, in knowing you some, I know you are an expert and specialist on helping advisors stand out in their business, differentiate uh, from your experience at Janice Henderson uh, and prior to that on this kind of concept of wow, right? And how to stand out, et cetera. I think that's a place I'd like to go deep with you on. And then secondly, and maybe separately, um, I'd like to also think about, um, I know you also um, are a thought leader from a coaching perspective and you help financial advisors and business owners and entrepreneurs in how to actually kind of transform, I'm gonna call it their purpose, right? Where they are in their career today, the way you described it to me is a lot of advisors feel a little stuck, right? And how do you kind of get them unstuck from a coaching perspective and be able to kind of reinvigorate, right, where they are in their career so that they can move on to the next level. Um, and if we could do those two things in the next 30 minutes or so, fantastic. 
And if not, maybe we have you back to go a little bit deeper. So I'm going to call it, Michael, dealer's choice, um, right? I'm the dealer. You have the choice. Where would you like sure. to start? Because I think both are super, will be super interesting to our uh, to our listeners. Well, it, it may not seem obvious at first, but the whole concept of getting unstuck and taking it to the next level, it relates to this this concept of wow as well. Because um, probably the thing that's, that's most in the way of those advisors uh, implementing a wow practice is not the implementation of the practice of the of the wow concept it's it's really themselves it's their mental model it's their mindset towards i want to be different i want to change i want to get i want to get to that next level so um i think that we can cover both of them why don't we start with wow and the concept of wow i think that that might be a good place for us to explore there and then i can weave in some of those other uh, intentional discomfort concepts that uh, I'm, I'm working with my, with my clients on. Yeah, I love it. So I'm going to give you a softball. Tell us about, wow, Michael, tell us what we should know and kind of how you approach it and how you help, help advisors with it. I, I think you, you said it really well before, right? Some of the things that we believe ourselves to be as financial professionals is now table stakes, something that might've been unique 25 or 30 years ago. Some of the more in-depth planning processes and, and other things that, that advisors do on a regular basis today, they're, it's table stakes today. And we all have access to those same products. We all have access to, you know, roughly the same performance. Versions are shrinking and clients are looking for more um, unique experiences that are going to, that are going to serve them uniquely. Think about a, a really great example of this is happening in all areas of our lives. So think about when you go to Netflix now, if you have Netflix, and one of the first things that it says on there, and they they paid a million dollars to somebody to create this algorithm, um, is for you. Everything's customized for you, right? You see, it's based on your previous experiences. It's based on your search history. Uh, Maybe uh, based on other things. When you get into an Uber, it asks you, would you like air conditioning? How, what is the temperature you'd like? Would you like conversation? Would you not? It's all being catered to and customized for you. We're entering this environment where because of some of the technology that's available to us, and I'm not making a value statement on this because some of it's a little creepy, is that you are able to really get an experience that is tailored to and customized for you. So the wow concept at its very core is about creating memorable experiences. And it's the simplest ex- explanation is when we're surprised and delighted by that. So it's got an element of um, unexpectedness to it. In a more deep explanation, it's when we have the feeling of being seen mm-hmm. by another entity, by another uh, uh, provider, when they really are able to say, I get you. I understand you. And and I think that um, one of the things that I've been exploring more deeply here is this difference between those table stakes, which I would describe as like your service, and then really the concept of hospitality, which goes beyond that. Mm. So tell, tell us more about hospitality. When you say hospitality, um, what, what does that mean to our listeners? 
yeah, I'm looking over here to the side because I'm looking at one of the books that, that really influenced me on that. And that was by a guy named Will Guadara. And so if you haven't read this book, Unreasonable Hospitality, it's the story of 11 Madison Park, which is a big, uh, very expensive and uh, fancy schmancy restaurant in New York City, originally uh, owned by Danny Meyer and then sold to Will Guadara and his uh, partner, uh, Daniel Hum, who is a chef. And the difference really that I came to understand is that service doesn't demand that you care. Service is table stakes. It's your interval of touches. It's it's what you do. It's your product. It's your service model. Um, how many times, you know, if you want to call it supernova or whatever, you know, it's it's what the clients come to expect when they work with you. You're going to provide financial plans. I find it funny you said, right, that I act with integrity. Like, that's a table stake. Like, I, I think that it should be kind of expected, sure. Um, service is what people pay for. It's somewhat transactional. You kind of know it. And hospitality, as a contrast, it requires that you care. In order to provide a hospitable environment, you have to have some level of care and interest and investment in the well-being and the experience of the people that are there. So real wow experiences, real moments where people will sit back and say, I can't believe they did that. That's unreal. That's incredible. Or I'm going to go tell other people about it. When you become the stuff of legend, right? Legends are stories that we tell that are passed down through the ages that, that uh, exhibit or, or illustrate rather the, an amazing thing that happened, right? Mm -hmm. And they're passed on and they're cherished. How do we become legendary? So what is the difference? You might ask yourself this question to help you start conceptualizing it. What is the difference between inviting somebody to your office versus in inviting someone into your home? And so it's as it's it's as it's as much as the little things like knowing what your drink of choice is, all the way up to giving you a ride to the airport if you need it, and and that's really, I think, one of those concepts that I I try and help the advisors really understand and and build into their practice. And I'm not I'm not going to lie to you; it's not easy, meaning that it it takes effort, but it's absolutely doable. It's it's not like it's a it's a remarkable thing that's un unachievable for people. Yeah. So, Michael, as I'm as I'm listening to you speak, my mind is is going as it often does, right? And I'm sure our listeners Good. are as well. Um, well, you, what, what you're saying really resonates, and it's it's one of those it's the kiss principle, right? Keep it simple, stupid. It's yeah. it's so simple, right? Like everything else in how to build a business is really simple. It's just hard to do, right? Easy, but hard, right? As they say. Yeah. So a couple of things are racing through my mind. Uh, one is um, I was at a client event um, here on Long Island two weeks ago. I haven't, I, I just, again, refresher to our, our audience, and you might not know this, Michael, but I haven't met with a client and I think it's been 13 years. I haven't served clients. And I rarely go to events for our firm uh, either. But this one was literally a mile and a half from my house. It's something new that we were doing. It was a client appreciation slash kind of uh, announcement of a new service that we were offering. And I wanted to observe it. And my, my business partner was in town speaking. So I came to the event. 
And um, here's a really interesting data point, uh, which I think really supports uh, what you were just sharing. So I ran into, as I valeted my car, I walked into the lobby and who walks in? I'll call them Mr. and Mrs. Smith, who were clients of mine 25 years ago. And by the way, the Smiths looked amazing. They didn't age. They really looked, looked great. And um, we wound up in the kind of corridor of the restaurant, right? Um, the vestibule there, before we walked in, we were we were shooting the, the bowl, right? For probably 10 solid minutes and asking about my kids. And I was showing them pictures because again, these folks, Mike, were, uh, were clients of mine when my kids were little and now they're 23 to 17 years old and they remember them when they were babies. And um, as we wrapped up, I'll call her Mrs. Smith, said to me, you know what I always remember? On our 25th wedding anniversary, the bill came out and the waiter said, this was taken care of by John Cutton. And I had made this plan. I think I it could have been uh, from Janice. I, I actually think to give credit where credit is due, I actually think I stole that concept from Ron Carson, right? And everybody knows who Ron uh -huh. Carson is. You know, a, a hundred years ago when I heard him speak about kind of his own version of wow. And here we are, I mean, it was probably 15 years ago. And what they remember about John Cutton is that I picked up what was probably a $150 dinner or whatever it may have been 15 years ago or whenever it was. And I can't help to connect. That client has now worked with two different advisors on my team, right? Where they went from me to another advisor who was my junior to now that advisor's junior. And here they are 20 plus years or so later, still as a client of the firm. So it just uh, resonated when you were telling that story that um, I could only assume that those are the type of things, right? And I remember it. Leg they, legendary. Yeah, yeah, it, it makes sense. So I'm gonna ask you this, Mike, and I, again, I don't know if this is any if if this is at all um, in your wheelhouse, and if not, it's absolutely fine. But one of the things that I do a little study of is a combination of um, kind of uh, the the chemicals inside of your body, right, and how you are made to feel is generally um, has a very very long lasting effect on relationships, and I think you're hitting some of that. So. Um, I don't know if you study oxytocin at all or kind of what oxytocin is all about. Are you familiar? I'm more of a, I'm more of a dopamine guy, but, but yeah, oxytocin, that's a, I dabble in that occasionally. Yep. Yeah. So dopamine and oxytocin and cortisol. And I think, you know, not to make this too technical and studying how the human brain works and the body works and all that kind of good stuff. But um, what you said a minute ago really resonated in you know, what people remember, clients, friends, family, right, is ultimately how you make them feel. And it sounds like sure. a big part of this wow, and I'd love for you to expand a little bit more on it, um, is just that, is right, is how can you think about what that person is going to, you know, what, what will differentiate you from the rest of the world from that person? As you know, we do not have any advertisements here on our podcast. Often I get asked, well, how can I give back, John? How can I help? I've got two simple asks for you. 
First, share the podcast with a friend, someone that you think can benefit from the information. And secondly, if you haven't already, please join the Financial Advisor Success Syndicate, something I am super proud of and would love your participation and to have you join and add value to a community with like-minded advisors. So to join, go to joinfass.com. Look forward to seeing you in there. Yeah, I think you're you're really cutting to the core of sort of the modern uh, idea of WOW and, and how we can implement it and some of those uh, mentalities uh, around creating that practice. So here's one here's one way for you to build that on your team. I know you didn't ask specifically about how do you build it on your team, but I, I want to this is an opportunity for people to understand if you want your team to be focused on how to make other people essentially what you're describing as fall in love with you, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're, they're having an experience that with you, that they associate with you, that's generating a certain chemical response for themselves. If you want people on your team to execute on that give them that experience so here's here's an example of where i've seen that happen a new hire comes onto your team and you find out that they like i don't know pick your favorite energy drink i'm going to use harmless harvest coconut water because i love it i think it's awesome love harmless harvest coconut water you see that the the new hire has harmless harvest at their desk so go out and buy a case of harmless harvest coconut water. It's going to cost you a little bit of money, but not a tremendous amount. It's for your employees. There's no, there's no limit. Put it in the fridge and then put a note uh, on it saying this is for whatever the new employee's name, uh, Jeff. Uh, and put the note saying, we see that you like this. We want you to feel at home when you're here. Uh, welcome to the team. And I guarantee you that Jeff is going to come back and say to you, that was amazing. Thank you for doing that. And this is your opportunity as the leader of the team to go back to Jeff and say, we're so glad. We're really glad that you're here. We're glad that you had that experience. I want you to, Jeff, I want you to really identify that feeling that you're having now. And I want you to know that this is the feeling that we want to provide to our clients. So everything you do, everything you do, I want you to be thinking about how is this going to create that feeling for my clients? It's like a big, warm hug that you want to provide to people. Now, where this gets tricky is I love your, I love your legendary story. I think that the vast majority of the population would love to have their financial advisor or friend of theirs pay for dinner. I have family members who would be very upset if somebody did that. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. So now for some of you out there listening, I know that you may say that's crazy. Your family's crazy and you'd be a hundred percent right. The point <laughs> is, is that um, we need to base the experiences in data. 
there is no cookie cutter for all of this. And in the spectrum of wow, there are things that can be repeatable. So repeatable might be, you know, sending a, a birthday card on somebody's birthday. It might be um, things like uh, recognizing their anniversary of being a client or, or sending a recognition on their anniversary all the way up to the customized experiences that are going to be what I would describe as more bespoke. And they have to be designed around the needs or interests of the, of the client. So on a macro level, John, let's go back to Blueprint. Blueprint, this advisor uh, that focuses on the needs and concerns of people in the craft brewing industry, the the things that they provide are designed around that persona. So at a macro level, you may choose to work. We talked about women as a niche, which I don't think is a niche. But if you narrow that down to uh, divorced women um, who have um, one or more parents living with them and are, uh, you know, mothers, uh, you know, their, their parents, right. That's getting a little bit more focused. You can start to see like their, their concerns or interests and, and specific needs of those people. How do you serve those people? How do you go above and beyond table stakes? How do you present your financial planning? How do you educate yourself in your financial practice around, um, the needs of those people? How do you provide that? How do you market those things? Those are all components of this next generation wow experience. I wanna, I've been, I've been on a tear here a little bit. So I wanna stop for a moment and see uh, where we're at with your thoughts around this. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm digging in and listening and, and intrigued. And um, I think um, as I'm thinking about what you're saying, I guess my question for you for the audience would be, how do you change your paradigm shift? I love the concept that you gave about a new employee and making she or he kind of feel that way, right? To demonstrate it. Um, yeah. So to our listeners, most advisors haven't done this in their business, right? So it, um, they've done some of it. They've tried. Most of us send birthday cards and anniversaries. Some of that, uh, I think those things are even table stakes these days, right? Like, Lots of advisors yeah. are sending a, a, yeah. a handwritten birthday card. So, right. Sunglass Hut, Sunglass Hut sends me a birthday card because they somehow got my birthday somewhere. And with technology, right, it gets easier and easier, and it's almost like, hey, if you're not yeah. doing that, you probably don't have a good CRM system, and and uh, etc. So, um, how do you start to change, right, the thinking of the advisor? So. Um, what I try to do is just go exactly where my brain is going, right? So where my brain is going as you're speaking is, man, I'm missing it. Uh, again, not new information to me, but we're not doing it. We do some wow things. And in fact, one of my advisors on a team meeting just yesterday, a team uh, like a uh, virtual offsite talked about, uh, he just sent a bunch of popcorn uh, to clients, like tins of popcorn. He got 25 calls, but he sent it to 50 people, not all of them. Need, needed popcorn, right? Or there wasn't necessarily a reason. So it wasn't bespoke. It was 50 at a time. It still got a nice result, right? Where people thanked him, so on, et cetera. Um, but I guess it has to be a little bit of a, um, 
a mindset shift and a skill set that you need to develop as an advisor on, well, how do you actually recognize these opportunities and then figure out creative ways to support them? So I'm wondering if you have any tips there is kind of like, like what's the difference between just a thoughtful gesture, gesture, right? Like sending a, a tub of popcorn versus a really, really meaningful moment like we're describing. Yeah, it's, it's information, uh, knowledge, and wisdom uh, are the three things that would differentiate that. So, so um, if you think about what the core competencies of most financial advisors are uh, or why they got involved in the business, I think that one of the answers that would come up pretty regularly, it seems to come up regularly when I ask audiences this question, is they were interested in financial markets. They wanted to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Right. Those are those are some of those core core attributes. As we've moved into more of a planning based uh, industry, uh, rather than uh, you know, product is still important. I don't want to get away from that. Um, we're asking more questions. So some advisors are developing the ability to ask questions. The challenge is that they ask questions that are more related to the stuff that they want to sell. So getting getting away from asking questions that relate directly back to what you want to sell, I think is, is one of the challenges and, and it's a balance. I'm not saying that it should be only done uh, asking things that are not sellable, uh, but it should be perhaps expanded. So when I work with my clients and helping them to build this, the first thing, unless they're starting a brand new practice, um, which is, they, they can't afford my services, right? <laughs> Typically. So uh, the people that the people that have established businesses, the first step is know who you're serving. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means um, really looking at who your current clientele are. So I like segmentation. People very often use segmentation primarily as um, a service model tool. And I think it can be used that way. I have used it that way. I continue to use it that way. Uh, But it can't just be assets and revenue. I think a lot of people are more and more over the last eight or nine years, people are going beyond assets and revenue and including categories like referral source or ease of working with them. Um, I want you to go even further and start to look at once you've got some of those basics done, uh, assets, revenue, referral source, uh, share of wallet, uh, ease of working, um, start to look at uh, other attributes that they might have. Are they young? Are they old? Uh, do they have kids? Do they have pets? Where do they vacation? Um, really building up a dossier on each client and hopefully building up a real understanding of what are these different block people in my business so that you can start to say, okay, now that I know who is coming to the store, and who I have at the table, where do I want to grow? And that's more of an internal focus. Like, so the second step is, what do I want to be when I grow up? So whether you need to go out into the desert like Ron and howl at the moon, or uh, Mm -hmm. you want to, you know, spend an offsite with your team, or just um, uh, really just spend some time each day ruminating a bit on, who gets me fired up? Who do I really feel connected to? Who do I really want to work with? So in my practice, right, my coaching practice, I want to work with people that are committed to change. 
there are plenty of people that come out and they're like, I just want to whine. I want to, I want, I want somebody that I can complain to. I don't work as well with those people because I get in their face and they don't like that um, because all they want to do is whine. But for the people that are really interested in change, that's my, I want, those are the people that I get fired up about and the people that are, that are passionate about that. So in your practice, thinking about what, what gets you fired up. And, and here's again, where I think the mental uh, challenges come into play because advisors start to say, well, what about, and this is natural. They start to look at taking this action as a threat to their existing business or future business. Well, if, if I choose to work with these people, then, then what about all the other people that I won't be able to work with? And it's like, no, you can still work with them if they come through the door. But if you really enjoy working with, you know, I, I often, you know, golfers with a three handicap who like to wear tartan and um you know don't use the golf cart but walk on the course and and only play at public courses w whatever it is whatever your niche is i don't care you should care but really like focusing your energy on that and then the third step is creating the experience that is going to wow those people so very often, I think over the over the last um, eighteen or nineteen months, and I don't know if this is a um, a result of the uh, pandemic. Um, it's a result of societal changes in the United States. Um, I'm I, frankly, I don't care where it comes from. I think the idea is is very interesting. I've had many advisors, not just two or three, but many, are coming to me and saying my clients are looking some version of my clients are looking for a coach. My clients mm. are looking okay. for a coach and they're, they either experienced a huge liquidity event and they're like unmoored. They're like, I don't have to work anymore. The client yep. or they're entering a new phase of their life. They're empty nesters, John. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> they are, uh, Maybe they are just starting a business. Maybe their parents have recently passed away. Maybe they have retired and they're looking for, they're looking for direction. They're looking for help with this next phase of their life. And it's good to hear that they're asking the financial advisor about it, because what that says to me is that they see that relationship as a critical mm -hmm. partner in their success. So this goes back to the concept of money is not a mean, money is not an end in itself. Mm -hmm. Money is a means to an end. And if you don't understand the difference between those for your client, you're missing that opportunity. So I think that um, for advisors that want to make this mental shift, really understanding who they work with, number one, who is in my book today? Who's in the house? Number two is, who do I really want to provide that hospitality to? Who do I want to build my next chapter of my practice with? And then the third piece is going to be identifying what do those people want and where am I serving them with that and where can I get better? That's that's the model. And it's it's simple, but there's a lot of complexity within the details of it. Michael, you don't have any passion around this at all, do you? None. None. I don't, <laughs> no, I, I don't love how, you know, I don't know if you're aware of this. I started my career 
as a field instructor for an organization called Outward Bound. Wow. And uh, it's an organization that takes people out into the woods mm -hmm. um, and guides them through backing rock climbing and that sort of thing. Um, but the in the the outcome of those things is really finding out what you're made of. It's not so much like a David Goggins type of thing, like, you know, right. who's going to carry the boats type of mentality. It's more of how can I challenge myself? Where do I stretch? I want to stretch, but not break. And what yeah. is that limit and knowing, knowing about myself. So I, I do have passion around it comes it's baked in. It's not leaving. Yeah, no, no, I, I can tell it's uh, it's awesome. And, uh, and that makes sense, right? Your background with uh, outward bound and helping, uh, helping kind of be a Sherpa, right. And, and get people to a level yeah. that they haven't been. So um, as I thought, Michael, I think this is a part two part uh, episode. I think we, uh, as long as you're willing to come back, does that, does that work? Yeah, so yeah, I'd love to have you back. Sure. And what I'd like to do for our listeners is just um, just kind of um, give a give a little bit of a summary of some of the things that I heard from Michael, and then we'll we'll wrap up here. So a couple things. One, um, as I'm listening to Michael, particularly the last piece that he was talking about about advisors, clients coming to the advisor, kind of saying, "I need some help with coaching." And what I'll call life coaching is really what I think Michael was describing a little bit. Um, you know, our listeners know I'm a leadership guy. Michael, clearly you're a leadership guy. And many of our listeners are leadership gals and guys or aspire to be. And as we think about the financial services industry going forward, I think a big part of what I see going on, and Michael, you just kind of um, uh, supported all of that is with artificial intelligence, with technology, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's some risk uh, to the financial services energy, uh, to, uh, to the financial services uh, sector, I'll say, or profession. If all you do is serve very, very regular clients, right? If your average client is typical um, and like everyone else out there, yeah, some of what you do could be replaced by technology. I'm not saying it will, but it could be, right? But when you get Nietzsche and you really understand the needs and meet the wants of those clients and really understand what's important to them intrinsically and understand how to actually communicate that and to Michael's point, make them feel that way. Well, now all of a sudden you're not replaceable because no such thing as a robot or artificial intelligence or technology, uh, at least yet, that we can see that is going to actually build personal relationship that's going to produce oxytocin um, in people, in humans, um, the way that you can as a human. And ultimately, if you can figure out that skill set of how to go upmarket, build more of a boutique -y business, helping higher end clientele that are in a particular niche and figure out how to attract those people over and over and over again by differentiating yourself and wowing them. Man, you got a business that is differentiated in the marketplace. And I think a big part, uh, Michael, of what your career has led you to is being very well positioned uh, to actually be able to help advisors kind of transform who they are today and where they want to actually go. So I'm thankful 
uh, for you being a guest today. I think our listeners got a ton out of it. I know I did. And all I keep thinking about, Michael, is I've got about almost 70 advisors on my team. And man, if I could teach a third of them uh, or you can help me teach a third of them do what you're talking about, and that can help them all add two, three, four, five ideal clients per year in something they're passionate about, man, their satisfaction, meaning the advisor's satisfaction will go through the roof and the business will actually explode. So uh, with that, my last question for you, Michael, is just um, we're going to have you back on uh, as well. But if our listeners want to find you, um, where do they find you? What's the name of your company? I don't even think we talked about that. And how do they how do they get in contact with you if they'd like to? Yeah, a couple of things. Number one is anybody who's listening, um, I'd love to offer you, if you're interested, is a free coaching session. So you can go to my website, which you can find at uh, michaelfutterman.com. It'll take you to uh, the worst URL in the world, which is www.type2, and you have to spell the two out, T-W-O, fun f-u-n not fund f-u-n consulting.com and yes it's long and yes it's complicated to explain but uh it speaks to really my passion for helping people with that concept and, and you and i'll talk about that another time um and yeah i would love to uh i would love to speak with people about this concept um, I would love to help them with their businesses. So uh, look me up and and reach out. Love it. Well, thanks, Michael. And uh, we'll make sure we have that information. I don't think it's such a bad URL, by the way, but we'll have that information uh, in our show notes uh, as well. And then, Michael, I'm going to get you with my team to get you back on for maybe another half hour or 45 minutes or so. And we'll, uh, we'll go a little bit uh, deeper into kind of what, what I think is the behavioral change, right? The coaching uh, component of what you do. But I'm really grateful uh, that you were here on the show today. And I think our listeners uh, hopefully got a ton out of it. I know I did. So with that, uh, to our listeners, thank you for being uh, here with us again today on another episode of Quantum Growth for Financial Advisors. And if you yourself or anyone you know could be a good, interesting guest, uh, don't keep us a secret uh, and shoot us a note and we'll see if we can get you or that special someone on. So thanks again for listening. Michael, thanks for being a guest. Thank you. As you know, we do not have any advertisements here on our podcast. Often I get asked, well, how can I give back, John? How can I help? I've got two simple asks for you. First, share the podcast with a friend, someone that you think can benefit from the information. And secondly, if you haven't already, please join the Financial Advisor Success Syndicate something I am super proud of and would love your participation and to have you join and add value to a community with like-minded advisors. So to join, go to joinfass.com. Look forward to seeing you in there. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find the episode show notes and subscribe for updates by visiting cuttonconsultinggroup.com forward slash podcast. Make sure to subscribe and download the episodes on your favorite podcast app, and we'll see you next week.